Welcome to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com, a place to talk about the experiences that we call life. We'll share the sorrow and the joy that makes this earthy existence real and makes us who we are. Now, here's your host, Renee Steelman. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am Renee Steelman, the host of Heaven Sent and Bent, and I hope that I am finding all of you today positive, productive, and prayerful. It is a beautiful day here in the Northwest. It's actually supposed to get up to almost 80 degrees today, so the sun is shining and People are already outside in their yards. I've heard lawnmowers, and, and everyone is just soaking up the sun out here in the Northwest. So I hope you are finding sunshine somewhere in your life today. Um, I like to listen and watch the morning news shows, and um, uh, it looks as though it's not that nice on the East Coast. So I apologize. I'm sorry. I have great sympathy for you today. Um, but our show today is, you know, I just wanted to kind of share with you what our mission is uh, with the Heaven Sent and Bent show. You know, I love the quote, uh, from Albert Einstein. There are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. And that truly is, um, what this show is all about is helping others to realize that life itself is a miracle and every little thing, uh, you know, this is the most beautiful time of year, spring and fall. Those are my two favorite seasons um, because of the changes. You know, in the spring, you have the the daffodils and the, the tulips just popping their heads out through the snow and giving us the you know, encouragement that things are going to get better and reminding us that there's there's always a new season and that we, too, can have a new season in our lives. And then in the fall, you know, the beautiful, the trees, you know, they start to change color and you get the reds and the oranges. And it's just another reminder that we need to prepare and, and, you know, hunker down and get ready for what's coming. And I just love what the changes of the seasons, what they, what they tell us in our lives. And, and so that really is the mission of this show is to give others encouragement through sharing everyone's journey. We all have a journey of some kind. And we want to build a community of strong, resilient people who are stronger and kinder and more sympathetic because they have walked in someone's shoes and often carried another's burdens at the same time that they're going through something themselves. So that really is the the mission of this show. And um, today on my show, I have a friend, and um, I've asked Harry to join us today. We're going to talk today about what it's like to have a child with Down syndrome. Um, that is one disability that we have not experienced in our family. And so I'm really anxious for Terry to share what it's been like for her and everything that, that she can share with us about having that experience. So, Terry, thank you for, for joining us today. You're welcome. Well, Terry, I haven't known you for a very long time, but um, I'm one of those people that I love to hear other people's stories, and I'm a little bit of a chronological thinker, so I love to hear, like, start from the very beginning, you know, tell us about, you know, when when you found out in your pregnancy with your daughter, um, you know, or even if you did find out, so just tell us a little bit about 
the very, very beginning of, of, of this journey that you have, uh, with your daughter and also kind of where you were at in your life at the, at the time with your other children. Okay. Um, well, Katie, uh, is a, the youngest of five children. So, um, about the time that we were considering having a fifth child, our, our household was pretty full, pretty lively. And, um, I remember having concerns uh, about this pregnancy early, early on, um, from the very beginning that I didn't have with my other kids. And, uh, we just kind of a feeling, I don't know how else to describe it, but it stayed with me for the first several months. And I, uh, sometimes, uh, I, I was really concerned and other times, um, thought it was in my head. And so, um, typically about, uh, 20 weeks into your pregnancy, I think, uh, they offer you blood tests to kind of screen for a lot of different disabilities, and I had never done that with my previous pregnancy, but I went ahead and did that because of this unnamed um, feeling that I'd had, and um, sure enough, I got a call that um, we were flagged as a potential of having a child with Down syndrome. Um, for me, that was... Um, I remember that phone call as if it was yesterday. I remember exactly where I was standing when I answered the phone, and I thought, this is it. This is the name of this unnamed feeling that I have had for weeks. And we went um, into the city and had some uh, high-tech ultrasound done and um, some different tests, and they all came back fine. And they told me there is no way this child has Down syndrome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So uh, for me, um, that just left me with more questions. For my husband, he walked away going, whew, dodged a bullet there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember the night that after we had all those tests, I I lay down to go to sleep, and I saw in a dream this little girl with Down syndrome on a tricycle. Mm. And her name was Katie Ann. And the, that was not the name that we had chosen for um, our daughter. And so I got out of bed. My husband was still awake. And I went downstairs and I said, if she does have Down syndrome, what do you think of the name Katie Ann? And he said, uh, she doesn't have Down syndrome, so we don't need to worry about it. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I, I did, you know, in typical male fashion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I just kind of uh, kept that experience in my heart and never forgot it and the feeling never went away the rest of my pregnancy and um, sure enough uh, she was born with Down syndrome. Wow. You know those doggone tests my my oldest daughter had the opposite opposite thing. She had the test done and they brought her in and they said you know you're at a real high risk. I don't know what the statistics are, what the numbers were, but she, her numbers were very high. And they said, you know, you have a real high risk. We think this baby might have Down syndrome. And so they ultrasounded her to death. I mean, every, every doctor visit was an ultrasound. It wasn't just the, you know, and they were finding the little white spot on the heart and, uh, uh, just, you know, the size of the fingers, every flag that they look for. They were saying, boy, we're really concerned. We're really concerned. And so she was just, this is her first baby, you know, she was just a mess. And then, 
um, she was down in Texas, and they decided to do a cesarean, and that's a whole nother story. Uh, absolutely no reason for that, <laughs> but whatever. Um, and for some reason, the crazy anesthesiologist, um, after the baby is born, she gave her more drugs, and she came out to us and said, hey, your daughter's doing great. The baby's, we're watching the baby be washed and stuff through the window, you know, and, and, and the doctor's like, oh, no, she's fine. You know, there's nothing wrong. But she said, but we gave her a little cocktail to help her sleep. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? So my poor daughter is, like, drugged. But all she kept saying is, is she okay, mom? Is she okay? I kept saying, yeah, she's fine. She's fine. So those darn tests, I mean, I I don't know if those things are really good for us to have, you know? Yeah. They don't really, yeah. yeah. So, but they knew that the minute Katie is born, could they tell right away? Yes. In fact, you know, I still was carrying this, this feeling with me, and so I was, I had actually worked myself up to the point where I was worried I was not bringing the baby home. Uh. And um, so we get to the hospital, and, you know, after she's born, uh, they lay her on my stomach, and I'm looking at her going, okay, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I'm trying to see what's wrong with her, and I'm counting fingers and counting toes. And, um, you know, Jeff kind of whispers something to the nurses, and they shush him, and then they take the baby and Jeff, and they leave. And Jeff comes back in uh, with the doctor a little bit later and says, Terry, we have something to tell you. She has Down syndrome. And I said, well, thank heaven. Yeah. And he he said, what do you mean? And I said, I can deal with Down syndrome. I have a beautiful, healthy baby that I am taking home from the hospital and, you know, put all of my fears to rest. That was, you know, that was such welcome relief to just the unknown that I had been so unsettled with for her, my entire pregnancy. Right, right. Isn't that amazing? And it probably must have been a, a little bit of a of a warm feeling to know that that you were being um, warned. You were being, there was yeah. like a, someone was saying, be prepared, be prepared. There, This is what you're going to have. And what a comforting feeling that that was to know that that you were in tune enough to be receptive to that in you know inclination that that there was going to be something that's the beautiful i uh, see i love being a woman i just think i love the yeah. fact that we, you know i mean i remember even with our own little guy you know saying to my husband there's something wrong if something's wrong and he's like no no he's fine he's fine you're like you just know mm-hmm. as a mother you, you know you that do. there's something yeah. and and what and what and how sad and i think it's such a shame that there's such a big push right now. Oh, we're going to go off on a tangent, I can tell. But that there's such a big push right now for people to not trust their gut, not trust that beautiful gift that we've been given as women and as mothers, and to read in a book. Well, the book says that I should only feed the baby for 10 minutes uh, every three hours. And it's like, what are you reading that for? What does your gut tell you? Your gut tells you your baby wants to be hugged and kissed and held and, and suckled for a half hour or whatever, you know. But that's yeah. such a beautiful gift that we've been given and, and how beautiful that you – you got that confirmation that that you had been been pre warned. That's yeah. um, that's amazing. Yeah, well, let's take. Go ahead, Terry. Oh, I was just going to say it was really interesting the difference. You know, where I had been preparing unknowingly for months and was able to just jump right in and embrace uh, this baby, where my husband had to deal with it after she was born, and yeah. um, uh-huh. you know, because he hadn't been really. Um, 
I don't, I don't know what the right word is, but, you know, he just had kind of was in denial, I guess. Mm-hmm. And watching him have to mourn a little bit the loss of the child that he had been expecting where I, you know, was able to kind of already have moved past that place and was into a different place. It was just interesting to watch how we each responded and reacted differently. Right, right. That's oh I, I I thank you for sharing that and I want to talk more about that. Let's take a break and when we come back I want to talk more about that how uh partners do um sh- get information about a child that has a disability and how they how they each handle it differently. So let's talk about that. Let's take a little break and we'll come back. Welcome back to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com. Here's Renee Steelman. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for coming back. I am Renee Steelman, the host of Heaven Sent and Bent. And I have as my guest today, Terry, and we're just talking about how, um, you know, she had a feeling before her baby was born that there was something wrong. And even though she had a lot of ultrasounds and a lot of testing done, at first they thought maybe there was something, but then, then they decided that there wasn't. But that feeling that she had really didn't go away. And then when her baby was born, it was confirmed that she did indeed have Down syndrome. And so we started, before we went to break, we just started to talk about how different, how partners handle the news of um, a disability with a child or even people that have had, you know, babies that have passed away. Everybody handles it differently. And I, I love, you know, I think it's so important to recognize that um, I believe anyway that we all have different roles to play and that because we have different roles to play, um, we are given different gifts. And I think the, the gift that men have is their ability to have the desire to fix things. And that's where the communication issues sometimes come in, where men and women struggle with communication because women just want to share. And they just want someone to listen. And they don't really want even any feedback. They just want to know that they were able to verbalize it and get it out there into the universe. And men have a tendency to want to fix issues. So um, I think that that comes into a problem when there's a, a an issue with a child or whatever. Men are like, well, we're going to fix this. And men are, And women are more like, no, it is what it is. We're just going to handle this. And so, Terry, that's what you were kind of saying that, you know, it, it, you were ready and prepared, but your husband was a little bit like, wait a minute, what, what's going on here? What, yeah, yeah, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it was, but I will say it was fascinating watching, um, you know, kind of how he dealt with everything. His his immediate response, um, which, you know, kind of personal, I think, for him, but he went up mm-hmm. to to Katie herself, um, this newborn baby, and just said, I promise I will never be ashamed of who you are and I will always be there for you. Aww. And, um, you know, that was just kind of how he handled it. And then his immediate response was um, to make sure that I was okay, that she was okay, and then to get in the car and drive home and um, be there with the other four kids and, and mm-hmm. just draw family close and draw strength from from each other. So Right. Now, what were the ages of your four children when Katie was born? Oh, mercy. Um, let's see. Katie was born in 2001, so um, and our oldest was born in 92, so he would have been like nine, nine, about nine or so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so nine, eight, um, six, and two. 
Okay. Yeah, that's about yeah. the same age my children were. Um, and, you know, they're so innocent. And, and did they just, they in their eyes, was this just a baby? They didn't care? Yes. Yes. Yeah, for sure. They they loved her. I do remember um, my daughter who was right in the middle, so my um, five, six-year-old, we kept trying to explain to her, um, you know, that she was a very special baby, and she was very offended by that because she oh. was also special. <laughs> oh, it's like, uh, what makes this baby so special? Excuse <laughs> yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that's that's exactly what you want, though. You want, um, you know, you want everybody in the family is just, you know, Katie's just Katie, and she's, yeah. she's just part of the family, and and we accept her for who she is, and she accepts us for who we are. So right, exactly. all of our flaws and everything. Well, now, teach us, because I don't know a lot about Down syndrome, and I'm sure, you know, as in uh, autism, I'm sure there are different levels or uh, I think people want to, you know, they want to they want to group everybody into a, a category. So, oh, you have Down syndrome, that means this child does blah, 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 or, you know, your child has autism, that means blah, blah, blah. And there are... There's there's a spectrum I think with every disability, um, you know I know in our case our son has cerebral palsy and he's you know severely disabled and then there's other people that there's a young man that works at the Home Depot in our neighborhood that has cerebral palsy and he's functioning and and working so there's different levels of disabilities. Where did Katie fall? Um, you know that's a really good question and it's something that I've really never clearly understood. Um, how to compare her as far as um, other children with Down syndrome. She does have some autism as well, so that kind of plays into it. Um, she's, I think, a little more athletic than most Down syndrome kids that I've seen. She um, has pretty decent muscle tone. Again, we just were so blessed to have people put into our lives at the right time, at the, at the right place. You know, I was able to nurse her. Um, that took probably two months to teach her how to nurse oh. and um, uh, which was a fascinating journey in and of itself that I, I knew that um, one thing that is very typical in kids with Down syndrome is low muscle tone and mm-hmm. I just as her mom um, it was important to me to know that I had done everything that I could to give her the best start that I could and mm-hmm. nursing would exercise her um, muscles and give her a chance to be able to speak um, probably better than anything else that I knew of. So um, mm. I had a great support team that that coached me and worked with me and helped show me. It was, it was fascinating, really, how they how they did it, and I couldn't believe that it actually worked the day that she really figured it out. But um, yeah. I was able to nurse her for over a year and um, just great great opportunities and then um the other thing that we did was get her into some um what do you call it, early intervention mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so um we were you know just again just had people put into our path from the very beginning that taught us um different massage techniques taught us different ways to hold her that would force her to use her muscles and develop them and mm-hmm. um she's been a really active girl and that's been a real blessing for her so now so and where now where uh, were you living in uh, southern oregon when she was born 
No, we were actually here um, oh. in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So was she? So did they s- kind of set you up uh, when you came home from the hospital with like a visiting nurse or, or like you say, the early intervention team? Or, or um, so you, did you come home with people on your team right away? Um, we were told kind of where to to go um, with uh, some different therapy options, and so we looked into them, and and we went with one called Pride for Kids. Uh, We had a physical therapist that came out um, very often. I think her first visit, Katie was only two or three weeks old, and um, she came into the home for, I think it was the first year, and then as Katie got a little bit older, then we moved into a more of a classroom setting with other kids and um, and worked on everything from, you know, muscle tone to texture. Um, I remember them, you know, stripping her down to her diaper and putting her in a pot of pinto beans, um, you know, sitting her in it and <clears throat> kind of helping her learn to assimilate different feels and textures around her. <clears throat> My favorite, and I say that in jest, was mm-hmm. um, when they taught her how to take caps off of markers. And oh, they no. Fine, they called it fine motor skills, and I, I called it a disaster in the making. And sure oh, enough, yeah. <laughs> within a week or two, I had lovely art pictures all over my house on the wall. No, no, no. Let's to- toothpaste. I don't know anything but markers. Oh, my heavens. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So now, so she was a fairly um, uh, uh, an easy baby then. Did you find that she was similar to your other kids as far as her sleeping or was her, um, you know, uh, feeding difficulties at first, I mean, before she really latched on really well, did you find that she was a fussy baby, or how did she differ from your other kids as far as, um, you know, being either a hard baby or an easy baby? She was a really easy baby. Um, uh-huh. In fact, we had to set our alarm and wake up in the middle of the night and wake her up to eat. Otherwise, she would just, she wouldn't take in the feedings that she needed. She was really small. She was a little over five pounds when she was born. Wow. And, um, yeah, would have just laid there and never fussed. In fact, um, I was told I needed to let her, if I could get her to the point where she was um, fussy, that I needed to let her do that so that she could exercise her muscles and move a little bit. And um, there was one morning in particular, because she never did fuss, that she was fussing a little bit. So I just kind of left her in her crib, and I was making beds. And again, my five-year-old daughter came in and, and said, I can't believe making beds is more important to you than picking oh. up your baby who is crying. <laughs> Oh, those out of the mouths of babes, we are taught. Oh my gosh, yeah. isn't that funny? I know. It, I love that too. It's I, I, when my uh, my oldest grandchild lived with us for a while, and my my daughter would come home from work, and she, and I would just let him get into the cupboards, and he would just be tearing CDs and and you know tapes and stuff like that, you know. And she would say, "What is wrong with you?" I cannot believe you're letting him, you know, tear the, and I'd be like, oh no, I have other things to do. He can take those CDs and do whatever he wants to with them, you know. And now she has a little boy of her own that rips every cupboard, every drawer, you know. So he yeah. does have to smile and say, oh, that's funny. That's so funny. Yeah. So how yeah. old was she or how soon after she was born did you have kind of that, um, 
situation that I think anybody that has a child, and, and it, it can be, any, it doesn't even have to be a disability. It can just be a child that's active or, or, or a little bit, you know, rowdy or whatever. I think as mothers, just prepare. I and mean, that should be part of the teaching. Just prepare for the comment that you're going to get from an unknowing, you know, person about your child. So how, how, how long was it before you had someone that maybe with the greatest intentions of love and understanding say something to you that you were just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to have to think about that for a minute because that was really, whoo, okay, let's move yeah. on. Yeah, what, what yeah. was that? You know, there there are three things that I remember that um, kind of made an impact on me for different reasons. The first one was um, in the hospital <clears throat> They brought us the paperwork and gave us the option of giving her up for adoption. Oh, and that oh that broke, <laughs> that broke my heart. And and the fact that they still did that and just assumed. And maybe there are families who um, you know would opt to do that, but just the fact that they presented it so nonchalantly as you know, and if you don't want her, it's <gasps> heart wrenching, heart wrenching. Oh um, my gosh, just. And, and a very stark reality that that there there is that attitude in a lot of people that don't realize the the joy and the blessing of having um, a child like Katie in your life just just very saddening. Um, the second one uh, was my grandmother who I love to death. Um, mm-hmm. She was very old school, um, and she grew up with the idea that it was someone's fault. And so it was very important for her to know, was it me or was it my husband? You know, which genetics caused it. Oh, oh, oh. And so, um, you know, that was a little startling to to hear that. Um, Mm -hmm. But we just, she didn't live um, around here. Yeah. A few hours away. So what we did was we packed Katie up and we drove out and we put her in her arms. Oh. And um, that solved everything. You know, it was oh. she was just Katie after that. So. Yeah, it, you know, don't you wish you had hindsight or twenty twenty or just that quick that quick sense of humor where you could have just said, "Well, Grandma, actually, we've done testing and it's you. We've we've just <laughs> we found that it was it's actually your fault that the biscuits and gravy that you made. It, there it is. It's right there. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. And it's not anything that was her fault, and you no. know, that's the way she was taught when she was right. you know, growing up. And and right. um, thank heavens that society's views have changed, and our understanding of what and what their capabilities are, and and how they can learn and grow and love, just like any other child. I'm so grateful right. that she was, you know, not born 20, 30 years earlier. I can't imagine. Yeah. Um, you know how difficult it was for that generation. So yeah, and that's the that's what we have to recognize. That you know, did you ever read the book, The Memory Keeper's Daughter? No. Okay. Is oh, you should read it. It's a beautiful book, and but it's set in the late fifties or sixties, I think. I can't remember. Um, but that was the thing. The 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 main character in the book was a doctor, and they when his wife went into labor, it was like a you know dark and stormy night, and he ends up delivering this baby, and he could see right away that the baby had Down syndrome, so he handed it to the nurse, and said, "Take this baby to the institution," and and the nurse. 
took took the baby and and never told the doctor, but actually raised the baby on her own. But that was the thinking back in those days. And even with yeah. TJ, my, you know, my aunts who are you know in their 90s now, late 80s and 90s, um, at that time kept very gently trying to say to me, you know, you really should put him in a home. It's not fair to the rest of your family, you know, and they would try to say it in loving ways. But have you thought about, you know, or I know a friend who has uh, a daughter who lives in this wonderful home and she loves it. And have you, you know, and I, you know, we would just kind of say, no, he's ours. But that amazes me that they actually, you know, what's interesting. Yeah. I would love to know about that. Do they do that with all disabilities or is that just a down thing? You know, like, know. you know, because. Yeah. Nobody offered us an opportunity to, you know, now, see, at that time, there were some other of my children that I would have put up for adoption. I would have been, no, we're taking him home, yeah. but this one is available. I don't know if we could talk yeah. about that. No. Yeah, it's, it's very true. Interesting. Say, um, yeah, it, just, it, it was very shocking. It was very shocking. Um, ah. the, I would say probably the biggest reaction, um, and this is my my third item, and what bothered my husband the most, which I found interesting, was um, far and above the biggest reaction we got was, well, you must be so special to have oh, to have yes. been given a child like that. Yeah, and um, and that just really really bothered. Um, my husband a lot and and in fact um, since then every time we have friends who have a special needs child or whatever you know he makes sure to to explain his feelings to them about that because he, he what he wanted was someone to put his arm put their arms around him and say you know what this is hard oh. this is hard mm-hmm. and and just acknowledge the the difficulty and mm-hmm. and not try to excuse it away with um, it must be because you're so this or so that or whatever. You know, it, it's right. just a difficult situation, and and um, and just acknowledge that. And so, yeah. and I found, found that interesting that that was something that bothered him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I guess we all have our. But that's very common, and I and I and I'm glad you brought that up because that is a common. Uh, feeling that people must have and I always say to them um I didn't adopt him you know it was this there are people out there who purposely choose to adopt children with special needs and I think that is I think I just think that's amazing that people would take that on uh you know willingly with with you know and I always say to them I didn't I didn't choose this. I didn't go to a, an orphanage and choose I'll take the child who's severely disabled. So please don't put me on a pedestal at all, you know. Right. Dealing with what, you know, we've been given. If I could take her Down syndrome away and mm-hmm. make her life easier, I would do it in a heartbeat. Right, right. Well and and so in on that same light, uh what was something that someone said that was that just stuck right in your heart and um, you just can't forget. It's just like that is the most beautiful thing and I'm going to share, I'm going to just savor that for the rest of my life. Um, there was a lady um, who was a friend of ours and when she heard that we had a baby with Down syndrome, her response was, oh my goodness, I am so envious of them. I cannot believe they got a child with Down syndrome. Uh, and when she said that, it just kind of made me go, 
Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I and I and I sought her out because you know she was a school teacher and so she had worked with a lot of kids and and she just her love of um, of kids with Down syndrome really helped. I don't know, just help me see it in a different light and mm-hmm. um, just be so excited for who Katie was mm-hmm. and not. Um, anything else, you know, just celebrate her and her life and, and who she was and run with it. Right. That, yeah, that, that, and I love the fact that she was a teacher, so she already had some experience with working with children probably, um, that had that disability, and so she, she did see the, the blessing of, of, you know, of that. That's, that's really great. Did you ever, did you ever, well, because you had that premonition, you probably never had the, the shock or you never went through that. Why do I have to do this? Why is, why was I, you know, why me? You know, the typical why me question. You ha- did you ever have that? Um, I'll tell you what I did have. I, I don't know that I had that necessarily. Um, but I remember being in the hospital. Um, she had spent a few days in intensive care and I had the day that it hit. The mm-hmm. enormity of what was being asked of me to be her mom and not feeling up to the, you know, I, I didn't know that I had it in me what, in order to serve her the way she would need. And mm-hmm. things were going in my head, through my head like, you know, will she be potty trained? Mm-hmm. For heaven's sake, what's it going to be like when she's a teenager and gets her time of the month? How mm-hmm. am I going to deal with that? You know, and all of these things were just crashing in on me. And I had this sweet nurse who came in and, and saw me kind of falling apart in, in the room and she put her arms around me and she said, you do not have to worry about any of that today. Aww. All you have to do today is pick up your baby and love her. That oh, that's beautiful. And that's that was, beautiful. That was the best advice that I got. And I mm-hmm. have held on to that every day of her life, mm-hmm. every time it gets difficult, every time I start to worry about the future or, you know, whatever it is, I just remember all I have to do is love her today. That's mm-hmm. it. That's, I love that. That is beautiful because I think all of us that have children that, that may not ever leave the home, I think we do all, all have that day, that rec- that that light that comes on where I, I remember the same thing with TJ going, um, taking my kids to the movie and dropping them off with their friends and turning around and looking at this baby in the car seat who wasn't a baby. I mean, he was in a car seat, but he was like five, you know, and I remember yeah. that for the first time, if I realized, wait a minute, they're all going to grow up and go away and you're not ever going away. And it was like, because when they're babies, they're just part of the, of the, the litter. You know, they're just like one of your kids. But as your kids start to mature and grow and change and find their own existence, you start to go, oh, oh, I never thought about that. What a beautiful way to look at it, though. It's just like, well, today I'm just going to deal with what I have to do today and not worry about, uh, you know, what. And you know what's interesting? Um I remember saying to someone, I had him at a swimming pool one time, and I remember saying, you know, sometimes I wish he was a girl because, oh, my gosh, we would just be doing nails and his hair's got the most beautiful hair. And, you know, and she said, oh, no, you don't you do not wish he was a girl. And then she told me kind of about the of of just, you know, going into puberty. And I was like, oh, I never thought about that. That's true. 
okay, never yeah. mind. Let's be grateful for what we have. But yeah, yeah, that's, and it is, I think it is a whole nother thing when you've got a, a young woman that you are, in, that you have to protect and take care of. That's, that is a whole nother issue. Especially yeah. when, yeah. I mean, you know, and I've heard that, and you'll have to, um, confirm this, but you know, that the children with Down syndrome are very loving and very approached, you know, they, they, they approach other kids very lovingly. And so that's sometimes what you have to watch out for. Now, is Katie like that or does her autism kind of break that stereotype? Um, it does. It, it, it's really interesting to kind of watch the two war inside of her personality. She's, she's definitely a very sweet and loving child, but she definitely prefers um, to be on her own. She gets in too much socialization. By the time she gets off the school bus, she's had it with interacting with other people, and she just would like to go spend some time in her room and kind of decompress. Um, so it kind of tempers it a little bit, but, but I do, she's, she's very nonverbal, um, although she can read and she can write, um, speaking in sentences is kind of difficult for her, um, which is a, a different, whole different piece when you're talking about, you know, safety and keeping her safe and when she can't come home and articulate what her day has been like and, and who she's interacted with and, and how to keep her safe. So, um, yeah. Yeah, there's there's all different kinds of um, you know worries that you go through, but again, right. you know, I just, just take it a day at a time and right and um, that's well, let's uh, let's take a break, Terry. And when we come back, I want to talk more about that. About um, you know, uh, being nonverbal is definitely um, an issue with being of, of that feeling of uh, protecting them, and also, you know, what we what we what we are looking at in the future. So let's take a break, and we'll come back and talk more. Now back to Renee Steelman for more Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com. Hi, thank you everyone. Thanks for joining me. Um, we are having a wonderful conversation. Terry is, is sharing with us her journey of, of what it's like to have a child that has Down syndrome. And when we went to break, we just had started to, to kind of talk about our kids getting older and, um, and how we have that need to protect them. But then we also have the, uh, we also realize that they need to be they need to learn life skills and that there might be an opportunity for them to be independent. And that's very scary. So, Terry, talk a little bit about um, occupational therapy that Katie goes through and, 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 and her independence. And, and is she – I know when TJ was in school, a lot of the other kids that were in the resource room with him, they were really – that the whole purpose of their day at, at school was to learn occupational therapy and how to ride the bus and how to go to the library and how to go to the store. So – does she uh, is she learning uh, and does she have a desire to be more independent? Um, you know, it's something that I have struggled with. <clears throat> she uh, the school she was at in Oregon. Um, she was in middle school. Is in middle school. She started there before we moved up here. And um, while I appreciate uh, the efforts, they had a very similar program where it was life skill oriented, taking the city bus, learning how to to do some of those kinds of things. Um, I don't, uh, I really don't think she'll ever get to that point where she would go independently on a city bus. 
mm-hmm. um, we're very far away from that. Now, I could be wrong. She could have um, some huge uh, mental growth spurts in the, you know, the next several years. And mm-hmm. so I, I definitely will do everything that I can to get her as far as we can. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I was very pleased when we moved up here and the focus was more on, um, you know, taking her grocery shopping and practicing making French toast and, and mm. some of her other kinds of things that, that I think are more applicable to, to where she's at. I, I don't mm-hmm. ever foresee a day that, um, hopefully, that she wouldn't be living with family. So. Right, right. And you had the advantages, as we did, of having our child that had a disability be the youngest in the family. So yeah. up until this point now, you and your husband, um, probably as we did, were able to, you know, get out for a date night or you know, go to some kind of an event and then our other children would take care of him. And that's probably what you've had with Katie. But do you anticipate, uh, like, what will you do when your other kids are grown and gone and you and your husband would like to take a little vacation or have a date night? Have you had other people care for her or how does she react to that? Um, you know, it's funny because that that is on my short list of things. I've got Two years left before my second youngest child graduates high school, and, and then our lives are going to be turning into a new chapter, and I'll probably be calling you and saying, okay, what do I do? <laughs> You're going to sit in a corner for a couple of days and go, what happened? What? What? Ha- what? Wait, where's that bus that pulled up every morning at 730 and dropped him off at 330, and I had all day to do what I wanted to do? Ah! You know, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. definitely is a, a new chapter for sure. Um, well, now, as, let me ask, did uh, what was the best thing that that you had? Um, I'm sure, as a member of a of a of a, a a church community, you had people that brought you in dinners and things like that when Katie was first born. That's kind of standard for people that have babies and a lot of you know, churches and things like that. Um, but what are some things that you have, that, that people did for you that were really, really, you really appreciated? Sometimes people do wonderful things and you're like, thank you, that was really great, but I have 7,000 tuna casseroles in my refrigerator. But, but somebody else might do something, you're like, that was the ticket, that I needed that today. What was something that someone did for you that was just, you were so grateful for? There were um, two things that I remember that really, uh, I really needed and was so appreciative of. The first one was, um, I had some friends who, like, you know, like you said, said, what can, what can we do? What can, what can we do, um, to kind of help out a little bit? And I said, you know, I would love to just talk to a grown up. And so uh-huh. they would come over, um, you know, once a month, at least sometimes twice a month and, they would bring lunch with them, and they would just sit and um, chat with me for as long as I wanted to visit, just um, to be able to talk to a grown-up. And I that, love that. It, it, it was it made a huge difference, especially those first few months where I was really tied to home and tied to mm-hmm. you know having little kids and and um, not being able to have to those. I don't know, just the, that important interaction with other adults. Right. So, well, and, so and that is so, I love how that is so enlightening for me because, you know, as women, uh, we, we talk about, well, we all got together and went over and we cleaned our house. 
or we all went, you know, and, or we took her children and we, you know, so she could rest. And, and, and I think that's very helpful. And I think those things are great. And please, please continue to do those things. But I think we forget that we love, women are verbal and we, we need mm-hmm. companionship with other women. And so to have someone cleaning my house, that's very nice. But boy, if you would just sit and talk to me and chat like, like women love to do, how much more fun is that? I mean, leave the dishes in the sink and laugh and talk with me. That is exactly. wonderful advice. I love that. So how has that then played into you? Have other people called you that have gotten the startling news that they too, uh, you know, have a baby with Downs and have they turned to you for help and advice? Yeah, I have had a few, um, a couple of different families that have had that, um, had the same experiences that we did, and and we were thrilled to be able to you know come over and answer their questions and and basically just pass on the advice that we had been given that meant the most. And you know, again, my favorite was just you know live in the moment. Mm-hmm. Don't you have a lifetime to worry about all the things happening in the future? Don't don't let it keep you from enjoying today. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, just. Um, yeah, wonderful. and that life will go on, and and you will be able to handle this, and and yep. uh, you yep. know it, it kind of is like I remember even before we had TJ, even when I just had the five kids, and I had a, a lady one time say to me, "How do you do it? Do you like feed them every day and like get them dressed?" And I'm just kind of looking at her like, "Yeah, legally I have to, <laughs> kind of, you know, that's that's one part of it, but it's like." Yeah, I do, you know. Um, so I think this just taking it one day at a time is probably good advice for all of us that are going through anything like that. But, and I think with a disabled child, you do have a tendency to, you know, project into the future. And that can be so overwhelming because first of all, nobody really knows. I mean, no one, you know, I don't know if people have asked you this, but people have asked me, you know, what's my my son's life expectancy? And I'll say, I don't know. They don't know. Nobody knows. And right. they never they never told me. And they, they barely told me he had a disability. They were so afraid to tell me anything, you know. And so yeah. they're certainly not going to give me a life expectancy. And, you know, in my own head, I made up a number in my own head that I thought probably would be a, an age that probably he would live to. And then, dang, he got way past that and so I had to deal with the fact that he's probably going to be around longer than we are you know um yeah. but you but I didn't think about that when he was two you know I thought about that when he was like 27 when I had to right. do that other aha experience where I went well I'll be darned you are healthy and strong and doggone it you're not going anywhere you know <laughs> and you have to kind of deal with that and 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 every and yeah. I think that's the thing that people don't understand that life truly I mean it's so oh, you know some of these sayings are so overdone and everybody's heard them so often but you know life truly is you know it's just a marathon you're just taking it one step at a time it's not a sprint and um you can't if re- you have to be flexible you have you cannot you know be so stiff that you get your your life all scheduled out and then when things don't go your way you break you know, you have to be able to go back and go, well, that didn't work. Let's, uh, <laughs> what are we going to do now? You know, so yeah. for sure. Well, that is, that is amazing. So you, she is now, uh, let's see, you said she was born in 2000, so she's 14. So she's 14 now. 
Almost. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there's a whole nother. You do have some interesting chapters going on. You know, when my, when, when TJ did start to get to be a, you know, a young adult, I don't think it it hit me a little bit when he was around 22 or 23 and my nieces and nephews, especially my nephews. I have a couple nephews that were born just months, you know, before he was. So I have a nephew that was born in July and TJ was born in December. And so I've kind of watched this guy get married, have children, you know, go to college and and this kind of stuff. And I, you know, so sometimes just jokingly, because I really think humor, you've got to have a sense of humor. You've got to be able to laugh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whatever your, the disability is, you know. Um, and I remember saying to him, do you have any plans of getting married soon? Cause I could set you up, you know, I'll talk to him like that. You know, I'm sure there's somebody out there that would love to, you know, you're so handsome, you know, and he just laughs, yeah. and, you know, this kind of thing. But, you know, you do kind of have to look at, at that situation and go, wow, wow. Oh, well, like you say, we're not going to think about that today. We're, we'll think about that another day. So now, are you involved? I know that you were very instrumental in getting a program started for uh, youth of all disabilities. Um, you kind of saw a need. Talk a little bit about uh, what you did for uh, getting kind of a, a, a youth program going in, in this area. Well, okay, so it started a couple of years ago as I was watching Katie kind of um, enter the teenage years and kind of sit back and wonder, what is this going to be like? And um, it kind of goes back to another piece of advice that I got when she was a baby. I had a friend sit me down and say, you need to um, understand that Katie was not just born to your family, but she was born to the community. She was born uh-huh. to our And, and um, I thought a lot about that and kind of my understanding of what I think she was trying to say to me has developed over the years, uh, that she has a lot of gifts to give. And just by um, spending time in her presence, we feel like we are better people. But sometimes Mm -hmm. it's really hard, and maybe you can um, respond to this as well, as the parents of a special needs individual, you don't want to necessarily burden other people. You kind of circle Mm -hmm. the wagons and this is my family, this is my child, I'm going to just do what needs to be done. I'm the mom. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do it. And Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes we deny other people the privilege and the opportunity of spending time with our children because we look at it as asking them to do something. And I thought, okay, okay, so how can I create... Um, an atmosphere where other people have the privilege of um, spending time with Katie in a way that's beneficial to Katie and beneficial to them. Mm-hmm. And this was not kind of how I envisioned it. It start, really did just start out um, for Katie and kind of evolved into a program where um, it's we get youth in the community that are 16 to 18 years old and they are assigned a buddy. Uh, one-on-one, and we just have an activity night once a week, and they just come together, and they've got their peer, and we play. Sometimes we play volleyball. Sometimes we do art projects. Sometimes we make cookies and decorate them. And um, watching the joy all the way around, the joy of the parents, Uh. watching their kids have friends that are, you know, their age, watching these teenagers whose hearts are softened 
who may um, in the future have their own special needs kids mm-hmm. and, or grandkids and, and mm-hmm. learn to not be afraid of them and learn that they really are just kids and, mm-hmm. um, you know, have all of the same, um, I don't know, needs uh, as far as, you know, wanting to laugh and wanting to love and be loved as any other child. And then, um, you know, the children themselves having a place that is just for them where they're wanted. And, um, oh, that's you know, it's, just, it's just been fascinating to watch kind of the, um, the ripple effect uh, of, how, of how many lives they can really touch in that kind right. of situation. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. I have just been touched, and I I think our listeners uh, will be as well. Uh, Thank you for sharing your story, and I'm so glad that I had this opportunity to even get to know you a little bit more. And I love love leaving on that note uh, about sharing our children with other people because – I know I, I have a blog, uh, for all of you. Uh, it's heaven sent and, uh, no, it's heaven and not dot com. And, um, I have an entry that I put on there just a couple, uh, weeks ago about just taking our son to the mall and how he touches other people's lives. Um, just, you know, just visually they look at him and there's just an aura. I swear he has, he just has this love. Uh, that he shares with others. And so we do. We do have a tendency to not want to burden other people because, you know, physically it's hard to take care of them or, or whatever the reason that we think we don't want to burden other people. But it really, um, it really is a blessing to, and, and I know my, my son, the kids that worked with him at the high school, still keep in contact and they talk about how he touched their life. And so the fact that the schools have opened up and have now, you know, integrated the children into uh, regular classrooms, it's so probably the smartest thing the school districts have ever done. So um, I love that. Thank you so much, Terry. Thank you for sharing. You're we'll talk welcome. again Thank soon. Thank you for having me. Okay. All righty. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. I hope that you've enjoyed today's show, and I would love for you to contact me, um, heavensentandbent at gmail.com. I would love to hear your story. If you have a story that you would like to share, please contact me. You can also give me a call at 503-869-6421. Again, my website is www.heavenandnot.com. Dot com, And I would love to hear your uh, feedback, your comments on today's show, and um, share with me your story. Have a great day. We'll talk again next week. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.